0: Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward.
1: And I'm your other host, Kirk Flegel. And this is both an exciting episode for us and also a sad one in some ways. This is the last episode of this season for Life Hurts, God Heals before we go on a little break to prepare for the next season. And as such, we have a great episode planned for you in which we get to talk about, I'd say, a topic that most people wrestle through in some way or another, whether they see what they're doing as this or not. We're going to be talking about overcoming addictions. Let's be honest, all of us struggle and wrestle with addictions, or maybe we don't wrestle with them. (laughs) Maybe we just give in, right? Right. So anyway, we welcome Jono to this episode of Life for Scad Heels as we talk about overcoming addictions. I'm glad to be here. Let's be honest, a lot of people don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. So just really thankful that you're willing to do that.
2: For some unheard of reason, I enjoy having the conversation about it.
1: So in other words, you're weird.
2: Yes, I am very weird. <laughs> there was doubt? Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> well, and our hope and our goal for this particular episode is to create more weird people, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I would love to uh, spread my oddness around. It's actually really funny because I just looked up the definition of addiction, just see what we're dealing with. And uh, the definition of addiction is the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance thing or activity. I've had multiple English teachers tell me that you can't use the word in the definition of a word. And so (laughs) I'm quite perplexed by that, but yeah.
1: Jonah, would you just tell us a little bit of your story?
2: Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian family, loves God and is extremely devoted. And my parents are just amazing. They love each of us. (laughs) And they actually did a lot to like take care of us and to like guide us in a way that is god-honoring when I was in mainly high school like really early on in high school I got like tied up into porn and it was this insane release of dopamine and serotonin that was just like everything was firing in my head saying like, this is like a cool, good thing. And it's really a cheap, (laughs) in a way, like a cheap thrill to achieve something that God has created so good in life. Of course, I didn't really realize that until later. So throughout high school, I constantly struggled with this desire to follow Christ and like being super active in youth group and in church and really like having like these cool guys speaking into my life, lots of really godly friends. And I did live a very God honoring life in high school. And yet I was still going back to this thing that I didn't want. But for some reason, I couldn't leave it that got put onto like center stage in my first year of college, I had so much freedom. I didn't have anyone looking over my shoulder. It was just me and a lot of time. And so that really escalated my usage. And it kind of started to like really wear on me on whether I was like an actual Christian or not. And I got into a lot of these like head spaces where it's like, well, like if I actually love God, then I wouldn't be doing this. And it just was very isolating and a very lonely period of time that overtook a lot of my freshman year. I I don't know quite what changed, but like going into my sophomore year, or in my sophomore year, I got together with a couple of guys. And there was this thing on campus for understanding addiction, especially in how it relates with porn for all guys. But this one was very specifically to like college and younger adults in this struggle and so started learning about like lots of how it forms our mind how our brains are affected by it how it creates these huge ruts in our minds it's really cool if you ever go look up the brain development of someone who has like an addiction to drugs uh someone who has an addiction to porn and someone who doesn't have those like addictions and you can visibly see the difference There's like all this gray matter in the people who have a drug addiction. And it's very, almost exactly the same as the people who have a porn addiction. Mm. And then a normal brain doesn't have that. That being said, it is very hard to find a guy who hasn't struggled with this. That I feel like is something the church doesn't talk about at all. The percentage of how influential porn has been In the culture and even in our churches is just astronomical. Anyways, back to my story. That was kind of the starting point of me coming into a more so recovery phase. Once I had the like understanding, then I was able to kind of resist it more. But what I didn't have is a solid group of people who I was constantly talking with and in community with on this topic. And so it was still isolated. And I was still just trying to do what we call white knuckling, where I'm just going to basically clench my fists and not do it because it's bad. And this is like super common and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was basically doing that for the rest of college. And it put me in like these binge purge cycles where I would be able to resist for Sometimes like a, a few weeks or maybe even a month. And then I would go into like this super deep back step back into it and just be dominated by it for like another couple months or whatever. And it would be like these big like binge purge cycles. And then one of my friends, this was a couple years later. 2019 we were out and he asked me he's like hey how are you doing with this are you still going to porn like is this still something in your life and i'm like yeah he's like okay like i know a guy he's he's a therapist and he deals with this specific thing and i was like oh that's cool thanks but nah why no because like one it it costs so much it was Mm. like 126 dollars an hour Or 125 or something like that. I remember it being a weird number. And then also like when he asked me the first time I was in a purge cycle. So I hadn't used in like a month. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't need this. And then like literally a week later, he asked me again. And I was like, yeah, I need this. (laughs) And so I go meet with him. And he just got me connected with a group. He's like, hey, it sounds like, you know, like all this stuff and you just need a group of people around you. Mm. And I was like, you're right. That's literally all I need, I think. And so he connected me with a group and that was 2020, like the very start of 2020. It's funny because like people look back on 2020 and they're like, this is the worst, most destructive time in my life. And I'm like, 2020 is the best year of my entire life. (laughs) <laughs> that was the year that I got huge strides in my battle against this. And it has not been easy. 2020 was a just absolute chaos. Um, <laughs> just with like, the whole COVID thing and like, being isolated which is like the number one thing that porn is good at is getting people isolated and here I am trying to get free of it and I'm forced into isolation and I'm like Mm. what the heck but honestly like as far as like purity goes throughout that year I've I was pretty on top of it I was super stoked for recovery 2021 I started a group and that kind of imploded Lots of it was due to like structural things that I didn't set in place early on. And so it backfired, but that kind of got me really down on myself. I actually had a really bad period where I went right back into it. Just feeling like a complete failure because I couldn't help these guys. and One group I started I had one guy blaming me that I was like the person who's condemning him all the time and I'm like how have I not shown you anything but literal love and I never said anything else this was the first time that I had ever dealt with people just blaming me for their own issues he just verbally assaulted me and basically told me that I was trying to hold him back from living his life That was like actually really hard on me. Like I held that for a while. That was during the ending period of that group. I went right back into it. And then I was just like, no, I need to like get back in a group. Even like recently, it's been a really bad time because I had a relapse recently. And I'm just like, I'm like, of course, Kurt like asked me to talk about addiction right after this. (laughs) And like I was thinking about it. I was like, actually, like that sounds like the worst time for me to be the person that is a spokesperson towards addiction. But at the same time, it makes me the most real about it. Because I'm not speaking from a place of like, oh, I'm better or I've got this all figured out. I don't. I have huge strides and yet things happen. I get down. Just life comes at you from a thousand different angles and especially what I wasn't ready for was this like depression that I've been dealing with for the last few months but more especially in the last like month or so and so that's kind of my story I mean I I
0: resonate with it pretty strongly uh, as someone who has had my own issue with this although being a girl it for me it was books it's like oh it's books no there's book porn essentially
1: so Not imagery as much as words.
0: Yeah. I was thinking when you were talking about, oh, guys struggle with this, and it's not talked about. I'm like, there's so Mm -hmm. many girls also that struggle with this. Not all of us, but a lot of us would probably more towards the books because girls are wired to be relational. As far as like the romance and all of that stuff goes, we're we're wired towards that. We're wired to want, you know, the romance and the candles and the pursuit. So there's a tendency towards going in that direction I think I read my first inappropriate book I was 10 11 you know and didn't know what I was getting into it's like well it said the valley of the horses so I assumed you know it was going to be about horses and then you're interested and triggered and it's like your body responds and next thing you know it's like that felt great oh well what else can I read that's like that that's a hard one to break because then anytime you feel bad or life gets hard or depression hits, or heaven forbid, sometimes even you're just bored. It can be really easy to fall back into that cycle of, well, this is this is the way like that I learned to to deal with those feelings or that boredom. What were maybe some of the triggers for you, Jono? Because like that's pretty important to identify your triggers.
2: Yeah, actually, just to piggyback off of what you said, I just looked up the numbers because they change constantly usually up (laughs) but Mm. the most recent one I could find is 98% of men reported internet porn use in the last six months and 73% of women when you go down on like a frequency of use men are Mm -hmm. much higher than women but like there's still that that's a huge number So why is this even taboo in our church? Lots of people don't want to bring it up because it's uncomfortable. Anyways, yes, um, as far as triggers go, one of them is depression. For me, I look at depression and I see it as bad, period. What I would do when I was a kid, whenever I started feeling depressed or down on myself or anxious or sad, I would go and act out. And then I would blame that depression or that sadness or that anxiety on porn so it gave me that easy band-aid of going I feel depressed because I'm using porn if I didn't use porn I wouldn't feel depressed or I wouldn't be anxious or I wouldn't be sad or I wouldn't feel like a failure so whenever I had these like uh, feelings that I didn't like Then I would go to porn so that I could blame those feelings on it. One of the first things you learn when you start learning about like porn addiction is that porn is not the problem. It's the band aid, And that's a huge thing to realize. We're trying to live in a broken world with a fractured life and we're trying to put these band-aids on it. We can't keep up back in the day i had anxiety attacks and so like that would be one of the things that i would use porn to cover is like whenever i have like this anxiety attack or anything then i would blame it on porn and the thing that sucks is once you stop using those band-aids then you have to start to deal with the problems when i stopped using porn i had more anxiety i had more uh, depression. I had more sadness. I had more loneliness. I think I heard someone say that's the number one reason why people go to porn is because they feel lonely. There's so many factors, but what I've heard and researched is that loneliness is one of the main reasons or the main driving focus of it. Those are just some of the triggers, but yeah, like understanding your triggers it's massive. And the only thing that has helped me long-term in any of those areas is Christ. It's not necessarily saying like, oh, I'll never feel lonely again. I wish that that I could just Mm. do that. It's not that I would never feel isolated again. I'm day three into having COVID. I feel isolated. (laughs) I'm like in quarantine right now. And yet, I feel super connected because I've been talking with people, especially yesterday. I felt bad, but I still was in community with people. I, mm-hmm. I had to like make that, that choice. And yesterday, I felt super connected with people.
1: I've been married for just about 29 years now, been with the same woman for almost 32 years. And I can tell you that marriage is not the cure for loneliness.
2: <laughs> so, Dang it, Kurt! I know you just. Way to pop that the bubble fantasy. for the two single people. <laughs>
1: but you did say, "What is the cure?" And that is Christ. And I want to talk more about that in a moment because you just touched on that. If that's the cure, we need to really delve into that some. But there's a couple questions I'd like to ask first. The first one is, you mentioned gray matter. You were talking about the difference in brain scans between someone who is addicted to drugs, who's addicted to porn, and someone who is not. And you mentioned there's a lot of gray matter for those who wrestle a lot with addictions. What is gray matter to clarify for all of us who haven't, you know, dug into this?
2: Basically, it's not dead parts of your brain. I believe it just like creates these gaps. And so your brain isn't actually functioning fully as it should be. It is these ruts like our brains should be completely working together and yet we have these like ruts that skip stages and so one of the things that you also learn early on in recovery is about brain plasticity right and it's the coolest thing ever and if you don't believe in god this is like insane like god can redeem us he heals us And so our brain is literally wired to heal itself if we stop hurting it, basically. If a drug addict or even a porn addict stops, then your brain starts rewiring and creating new neurological pathways and revitalizing the gray matter. It's so amazing how God has just wired our brains to heal itself.
1: You and Kim both talked about... The triggers that cause us to go back to our addictions that at least give us the excuse to go back. And I see this relationship between the gray matter, the gaps at least, and the ruts in our behaviors, right? Where we get stuck in this rut of a cycle of behavior, a pattern of behavior. I feel lonely. So I go to porn. I feel isolated. I feel anxious, I need comfort, so I go to porn. And the longer we go in these ruts, right the more gray matter we have to deal with and the deeper the ruts get, and the more insular we get you know in our behaviors, it seems like it's harder to change. And yet like you said, there's this thing that God has given us, He's given us a way out. We're not actually stuck. And that's the beauty of this, right? We're not actually stuck in these patterns of behavior. The incredible mind-blowing fact and the truth actually is that brain plasticity points to the truth that we can change, that there is freedom for us. We can get out of the ruts, out of the gaps in our brain, and, and we can create new neural pathways we can change. And so you mentioned the cure for addictions is Christ. So how is Christ the hope for change? How is a relationship with Jesus that hope for seeing a new pathway develop when so many Christ followers are stuck in addictions?
2: God's plan A for our lives is hardly ever to fix us miraculously fix us his plan a is for us to be connected with humans that work together to fix each other god's plan a is people helping other people that is like such a encouraging thing and such a frustrating thing because you're like well god could just heal me right now and he doesn't basically what we're doing when we're talking about like in group is what we're doing is we're going, okay, I feel lonely. Instead of going to porn, I'm going to make this call to this guy. Or whenever I feel isolated, I'm going to make a call to this person.
1: New pattern um, of behavior.
2: Yeah. All right. So if I feel lonely, then instead of what the rut in my brain is telling me to do, which is go to porn, I go and call someone. And so I'm creating a new pathway from that loneliness. So when I feel lonely, I'm getting connected with someone. One thing that I actually enjoy doing now is when I'm dealing with like sexual fantasy or like have like these thoughts that come up, I'm like, okay, I should go listen to or like read a fantasy book. And I found that that's really helpful because it it redirects where my brain is going. And one of my favorite things is Revelation 21. I think it's m- probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible hmm. and it's when the new Jerusalem is coming down and it has this like amazing picture of what the new Jerusalem looks like. And so I often listen to it. I often read it. And so when I want to fantasize, that is like actually one of my go-tos and it will legit make me cry. Like hmm. it's just such a beautiful like section of the Bible. Wow. When I pour my fantasy into that, then it's like, well, like, this is so much better than what I was thinking about fantasizing. Does that happen 100% of the time? No. Have I learned to, like, adjust my fantasy and, like, go and use it as, like, a more productive way and not a way to lead towards sexual fantasy? Yeah. And it's been super helpful.
1: I read a book years ago called Celebration of Discipline. By Richard Foster, one of the most impactful books of my life, talking about the spiritual practices. We're talking about practices, right? To break habits and patterns. And one of the spiritual practices he was talking about in one of those chapters, he's talking about a certain spiritual practice and he talks about the sanctified imagination that God has given us the gift of our imagination. And yet we often corrupt it, right? We use it for corrupting purposes as what we're talking about, right? And then he talks about not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but actually seeing the gift for what it is and allowing God to use our imagination to bring us into deeper intimacy with him. And that's basically what you're talking about is part of that journey is turning your mind from, you know, very deliberately turning your mind from corrupting fantasies to, you know, to thinking and imagining things that will elevate your life. So Kim, is there anything that you want to comment on or ask questions about?
0: My friend group isn't huge. So it's always a struggle with the idea of like, okay, well, what do you do if the person you reach out to is busy or you go through your list of people and you're like, oh, they're all at work. None of them are available. Hopefully there's a backup plan.
2: This is so relatable. <laughs> I,
0: I was sitting there thinking, cause I was uh, like, I went through my list yesterday when I was having a horrible time and I got through to no one.
2: Yeah. That worked out great. There's like a couple things that I'll do. I have literally been in a group with 12 people and called every single person and no one's picked up. So it does happen. What I will do is if no one picks up, I will either leave a message for someone or send a text and go like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, or this is where I'm at, or this is whatever's going on. Will you like keep me accountable for this? So then at that point, I am guaranteed for someone to call me out on exactly what I called them for, just to check in with where I'm at on it. That takes out a lot of the desire to kind of use unhealthy coping things. Even though I might not have gotten a connection at that moment, I know that someone's going to connect with me about that
1: stuff. Kim isn't that what you did yesterday I suppose so
0: I didn't think about it that way I was just all I remember was just being angry at God like you made me reach out to Kurt when I didn't want to no (laughs) offense because I was like well great if he doesn't respond then I feel even more alone because that was like my last resort
2: yeah loneliness is a very common feeling in that moment yeah like
0: I was like I was already lonely and I was like god you just made it worse
2: yeah I just called everyone on my list and no one was there what you need to know is that you're not alone now there's like however many people with a missed call from you that are now whether or not they like see it at that moment or whatever within the next hour or so because of how addicted we are to our phones (laughs) They are mm-hmm. thinking of you and probably praying for you, and maybe reaching out to you, which he
0: did.
1: He did. I did pray. Yeah. And yeah. Reached out later, but I did pray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I reached out in weird ways, but I did. <laughs> I, I did let you know I was praying. I, I did yes. send some emoji prayer emojis.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Our <laughs> go-to the prayer emoji.
1: Can I step in here for a moment Yeah, go for
0: it. Oh sure, go for it.
1: What we're really talking about here is, you know, this desire for community, right? We talk, we're talking a lot about loneliness, isolation, community. Who is the source of community?
0: Well, it's it's God. I mean, he's obviously the ultimate source. I mean, he's complete in and of himself, the three in one, having community within himself first, as an example for us, which I mean, that was, you know, the whole point of gang prayer in the first place. It's like, all right, I'm not alone.
1: (laughs) And so here's the thing about Community is like this is what you talked about, John. And you said Christ is the cure, right? We all long for community. We all long for relationship because we are created in God's image. And God is community within Himself Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? They are the three who have always existed, and always have been in complete, authentic community with each other. They, they've never withheld anything from one another. There is no sense of isolation. There is no sense of disconnection until the cross, until Jesus willfully allowed there to be disconnection to carry our sin for us, which is the thing I think we... We talk about less, we, we often talk about his pain from a physical standpoint, the cruelty that he endured at the hands of men and the mocking that he endured at the hands of men, the creation literally mocking and torturing and killing its creator. Yet what we don't often talk about as much is the pain of Jesus being disconnected from the community of the Father and the Holy Spirit for the first time in eternity. Humankind cannot comprehend that level of pain. We understand the pain of once we have something and it being taken away, of what it feels like to to lose something that we always had or we had for a long time, and then it being gone. We We feel that absence, we feel the pain of that absence. Imagining that from an eternal perspective, that on the cross, Jesus for the first time in eternity was isolated. There's no comparison to our isolation. We have never felt real isolation like that. This is what I've come to believe. When you want to talk about hell as a reality, people will go, you know, why would a good God send people to hell? That's a straw man. That argument doesn't exist because one, God doesn't send anyone hell. Because think of this, hell is isolation. That's what hell is. We were created for relationship with God. We are created by a communal God. When we say God, we think oftentimes of a singular entity, but God is family and always has been. And this is why when I talk to Jehovah Witnesses who don't believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, don't believe in God as a community, my question is, if God is one being and is eternal, and we see in Scripture in First John chapter 4 that God is love— Before he made the creation, which is not eternal or infinite, who was God loving? Because if love is real, love needs not only a lover, it needs an object to love, an object of love. So in eternity, if God is love, who is he loving? Who is his love focused on? Who is the object of his love before there was a creation? They have no answer to that because love only exists if God is community. And this is why isolation is hell. So, the question I have for anyone who feels isolated and lonely and goes to porn and now is going to someone else, right? Like you said, calling them up to break through that isolation. The question is who's our first call to? Is it people or, or the one who is community? This yeah. is why Christ is the cure, because He is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do we call out to Him before we pick up the phone or the you know the computer or whatever?
2: And then sometimes it's a really good reminder because I have guys that like I'll just call them and I'm like, hey, this is just going on. They're like, have you like prayed about this? I'm like, no.
1: What's your favorite chapter?
2: revelation 21
1: revelation 21 and which is all about the what
2: the new jerusalem coming down
1: and what is a city what makes a city a city it's the people then yeah the the population of people
2: in that uh actual chapter he takes john to a mountaintop and they overlook and they see all the all the christians
1: yeah we're talking so much about community as the cure, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> community
2: is everything. That's why like even non-christians they can get freedom from their addictions because like God didn't just make it so that only christians can get healing and whatnot. I would argue that christians don't have the only like reason to get healing, but um even with that like to increase relationship with people, that's like our goal with getting rid of Addictions. Yeah. Um, And if you're in community, if you're pursuing people instead of porn or drugs or whatever, you can get healing. And that's just an encouragement to people who feel like they can't ever get free of whatever they're dealing with.
1: Psalm 19 says, All of creation declares the glory of God, Mm, displays his glory, who he is. Yeah. And so humanity. And especially in the aspects of being a communal creature displays the glory of God. So when someone who doesn't necessarily believe in God, but wants to be free of, of an addiction, looks to another person for help, that is displaying the glory of God, whether they know yeah. it or not, because God is community. Absolutely. The only way out of anything is through community because the opposite is hell. And what are we really trying to fix? You said addictions are the bandaid, right? Yeah. What are we trying to fix? Isolation, you know, like hell is death, right? And death is isolation. When we separate ourselves from God and people, we find ourselves in death. God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I find when people want to argue with that, because that's what Jesus said. And when they're like, oh, they buck against that, it's like, okay, you can buck against that intellectually, but understand this. If you resist that, you're resisting life itself, if that's true. We got to get really down to the core issue here. God, he looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he pointed it out and said, if you eat of this tree, you will sin. That's not what he said. Sin wasn't the issue. What was we'll the die. issue? You will die. We talk so much about sin in the church community in, in the church when really God was always about the big issue is life and death who God is as a communal being is life father, son, and Holy spirit and created us to taste that life. And when we isolate, we taste death and so we need something to cope with it. So we go to addictions rather than God and yeah. they just lead to further death.
2: Yeah. Even with community, what you'll find is, uh, or what I have found is even within that, like going and telling people my story, there's going to be people that don't accept you, that they say that you're a failure or whatever, and they leave you. Um, and that's like the hardest thing. Cause you're like, well, I I literally took this chance or whatever. And now these people are gone. They were with me throughout my entire addiction, not knowing, and they were fine with me. But now that I'm verbal about this, then they leave me. So I would just say like, as an encouragement to people, that does happen and it sucks. But what you need to realize is take that with love and go, all right, like they're leaving me. And it's probably out of their own ignorance about the like sin in their lives. That's what I found it most commonly is, is if someone's leaving you because you've dealt with porn or because you've dealt with drugs or alcohol or you've dealt with whatever, it's oftentimes because they're not aware of their own sin, whether that's blatant sin or sin that has just kind of conceded itself into their lives. Um, The one that I can think of that comes right to mind is gossip. We see it all over and people aren't aware. Yeah, just to uh, encourage anyone who has family members or friends that just go like, oh, you're messed up. We don't want anything to do with you anymore. You're not alone. I've lost friends off of this. I've had family members say the wrong things to me. They reacted in the wrong way and it's okay. You, You can get pie and you can push through that. Um, just make sure you're bringing that to your community and going like, hey, like I lost a friend because of this or whatever.
1: You even said, Jono, that even in the peer group, right? That someone accused you of <laughs> yeah. judging them and walked away when it was really their own condemning things in their mind that they didn't want to face,
2: right? Yeah, the more adverse that people get, the more that they blame you for stuff. It hurts a lot. But at the same time, if you can realize that they're just doing it out of a defense to keep something from changing in their own life, it definitely helps. I know we're coming towards the end, and I just really wanted to say going back or like a relapse feels like you've broken all the progress that you've made. And it just feels like I'm back to ground zero. Like, I can't believe it. Nine months in the trash And what I want people to realize is that it's not like that. That is nine months of you living in the clearness that God wants you to live your entire life in. And he's going to like provide and he wants you to live there for the rest of your life. And there will be times where you go back. There will be times where you find new sin or whatever. And you have to confess that and bring that to him. Whenever you go back to something or if you find new sin, just realize that God is a gracious God and he wants to further your clearness of following him. That's what it feels like. It feels like I'm following God without any hindrance. It feels like I took off the weight questioning my Christianity and college, whatever. Like it wasn't that I was actually questioning my salvation. It's questioning the effectiveness of my ministry. And my ministry was very ineffective because I was holding on to so much stuff.
1: You know, relapses happen because the addictions are really just a band-aid. They're not the real issue. The real issue is the emptiness we all feel. When we say sin, what John talks about is very much the analogy of light and darkness. The book of John, the gospel of John he uses the motifs of light and darkness, you know, light for God's goodness and darkness for sin. What is darkness? It's an absence of something. It's really nothing. And so when we take on these sinful behaviors, we are looking to things that are actually empty because we feel empty. So we're actually pouring emptiness onto emptiness, what we're really trying to find is something to fill up the emptiness, and the emptiness is where we feel a lack of love. We feel lonely and isolated, and therefore we don't feel loved. And love is the thing that God offers us in the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Our patterns of behavior that were set from Adam and Eve is to turn and hide from God and hide. And when we do, we're hiding from the very one who can fill up all those empty places with his love. It's like, you know, closing ourselves off and becoming a darkened room. And Jesus says in Revelation that he's knocking at the door the invitation of Jesus knocking at the door, whoever opens the door, what does it say he will do?
2: He'll come in and eat.
1: He'll eat, fellowship, community. He will eat with them and they with him. Our natural tendency is to go to these patterns of behavior because we feel empty. We don't feel loved. We feel a lack of love. And Jesus says, open the door into those dark places that you feel ashamed of, that feel that are dark. We are, we're ashamed of the dark places in us. That's why even in the church, we don't talk about these things. Like we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about porn because it's a source of shame. And shame is really just an emptiness, a lack of love. And the moment we start to talk about these things and hold them up for conversation with God, we give him the opportunity to speak light and love to shine the light of his love into the dark places that begin to fill the room but here's the thing right this is the truth the more freedom we get we sometimes the more we freak out
2: yeah absolutely
1: because israel became free right from egypt and then they didn't know what to do with themselves and they wanted to go back (laughs) so we relapse Because sometimes the very fact of coming into our freedom and experiencing the newness of life that God has for us gets so strange. It's so not what we're used to that we want to go. Sometimes we just want to go back to what we knew. We want to go back to the chains because that's what we knew. And God understands that. And so I think what you said at the end is is a great encouragement to people. God does not beat us up over the times where we run and hide from him again. And we go back into those behaviors in our hiding. Porn is a hiding mechanism. It's not a coping mechanism, really. It's a hiding mechanism. And God understands that we're hiding because we're afraid that we won't be loved. And especially when you have even Christ followers who walk away, right? You have misunderstandings and walk away. Those are the people who are supposed to represent Jesus to us the most and they walk away. But here's what God always says. We have to go back to God. Even when his representatives fail us, God never does. He says, Kim, this is one of your big ones, right? I will never
0: leave you or forsake you.
1: Say it again, Kim. That's so powerful.
0: I will never leave you or forsake you.
1: Isn't that a promise from him?
2: Mm -hmm. sounds like one yeah that all to say is like after a relapse or whatever it feels like that time of freedom was wasted in a way and even at a neurological level that's not true like you've already done so much rewiring and one of the things that I've also learned is it's not about necessarily how often you relapse or whatever it's about how quickly are you taking that back to god right and resubmitting and going like god like i know this is wrong like how quickly are you taking your failure bringing it to god and bringing it into your community and going i need help
1: yeah because what the enemy did in the garden was an incredible bait and switch see there's god and the enemy one of them is an advocate and one of them is the accuser The advocate is the one who fights for us, who speaks out for us. That's God. He's the intercessor. Jesus shows us what God is like by interceding for us, right? Everything he did was to be our advocate so that we don't stand accused. God's not the accuser, Yeah. right? That's what actually Satan means, right? Adversary, accuser. Right, That's who he is. But in the garden, he made an incredible bait and switch with Adam and Eve and convinced them that God was the accuser and he was the advocate. Yeah. And now we live in the isolation of our condemnations and accusations that we're buying into because we've allowed the accuser in to be the closest to us. Yeah. And this whole process of coping with our addictions and dealing with our addictions is actually the process of trusting that God really is the advocate who's always been for us. And that it is weeding out the voices of shame and accusation that the enemy just multiplies. The cure is to open the door and let the advocate speak into those dark places. And it's retraining our brains before we ever knew neuroplasticity was a thing. Romans 12, two says no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. It's almost
2: as if God who created us has outlined so much stuff that 2000 years ago was said two to 6,000 years ago. Sorry. The old Testament has some of it too. And like, science just has to agree with it it's yeah. so funny it yeah. amazes me
1: here's the renewing of the mind god is our advocate not our accuser and when we come in prayer the accusing voices we hear first when we sit down and feel bad about yesterday and shame when we come into the silence that isn't god that's the one we've let in to be closer to us which is the accuser and so we have to renew our minds to not listen to that first voice of shame and accusation that leads us to flee into isolation. We need to, you know, renewing of the mind is to reject that voice of accusation and give God the chance to show us he really is our advocate. That's the renewing of the mind, to agree that God is the advocate. The more we do that, the more depression and anxiety and shame lift Because he's speaking love into those places. And all of those are just empty places. They're just death. They're a lack of life and love. That's the renewing of the mind. Agreeing with what God says about himself and us.
2: Addiction's a pretty small topic, so... Right. (laughs) There's only a couple things to be addicted to, either.
0: Of course. Uh, Says the girl with over 200 books. (laughs) (laughs) So... We always like to ask whoever we're interviewing, if they would pray for the people listening, if you wouldn't mind, Jono.
2: Absolutely. Dear Lord, yeah, I just pray for everyone who listens to this, that my story, my life might enlighten some dark areas in their own life. I pray that it's encouraging that they can go and find a, a community that is there for them, that loves them and is willing to work through the hard stuff in their life. Lord, I pray that the way that you've brought me closer to my family, to my friends, to the community of Slow through my addiction, that you transform other people's lives to be similar. I pray that you continuously work in their lives and make yourself known through others in their life give them the courage to speak out about this lord it would be so awesome to get churches to be open and honest about the struggles that are happening every day and the people that are attending those churches so lord i just pray that whether the person listening to this is isolated or lonely or uh, sad depressed that you speak into their life that you use this as a way to show them that they're not alone that they're not the only ones that are lonely or depressed or sad but that you have so much more in plan for them amidst those feelings I just pray that it sinks into their heart and that you work in their lives the way that only you can do yeah and I thank you for Kurt and Kim and their willingness just to come and produce this I pray that you bless it and that that this just has a tremendous impact on our community in your name amen
1: amen amen thank you O. for wow just everything you shared <laughs> I can feel the power in this one.
2: Oh yeah it's super easy to share about this stuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I am might super... not
2: be easy but it is definitely worth good it good and worth it yeah especially <laughs> The amount of people that I've been able to help because I've been honest with them about my stuff has been just mind-boggling that God can take something that I felt I was broken in, and he's just spoken so much life into it through helping other people with their brokenness in it, too.
1: It's almost like what he said in Romans chapter 8, that he reconciles all things together for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. It's almost like he actually does that or something. He actually uses all things for good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even our brokenness.
2: Yeah. It's it's just ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Hmm. And the more honest we get about our brokenness, the more our mess becomes our message.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: So thank you for using your mess to be your message with us. So we really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
1: And please know you can reach out to us with any of your questions, your prayer requests, or if you need help because you're feeling stuck in some area of your life. I am a coach for transformation that helps people move forward on their journey. If you want more information or you want prayer or you have questions, you can email me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. And as always, remember that you are God's beloved, so be loved.